CorporalNetwork.com. This episode of The Tome Show is brought to you by Noble Knight Games, where Out of Print is available again. Listeners like you, thanks for using the Tome's Amazon and D&D Classics affiliate links. Welcome to the Tome Book Club. The Tome is a D&D news, reviews, and interviews show, and I'm your Tome host, Tracy Hurley. And I'm your co-host, Jeff Greiner. And in each book club episode, we discuss one D&D-related book, spoilers be damned, in full book club style. And our book for for this August is Odyssey by Phil... Okay, now i got to deal with the last names. Phil Vecchione and Walt, and this is the harder one, Chaikonowski. Am I close? Does anybody think? Think. All right, I'll take You're it. You're so close. <laughs> and joining us for this episode's discussion is our reigning champion, Eric Paquette. Whee! Hello. Uh, and later in this episode, we'll talk to the co-author of this month's book, Phil Vecchione. And in September, that's next month, kind of this month, it's September now as we're recording, uh, we'll be getting back into some fiction as we kick off our year of a year-long look at the Sundering. Wizards of the Coast is releasing a new Forgotten Realms book every two months, and we happen to read a new book every two months. So we'll be following along for the next year. The Sundering, if you don't know, is an event happening across multiple products and multiple types of products. Novels as well as game products and all kinds of other stuff. And it introduces us to the new status quo for the Forgotten Realms. A status quo that's supposed to bring back the old school lovers of the realms while keeping the new fans. The whole thing kicked off in August with The Companions by R.A. Salvatore and continues with a book from a different author featuring different characters along the way. If you want to know more about it, check out our Gen Con coverage of the Realms panel at thetomeshow.com. In any case, that's the book we'll be reading in September. Uh, The Companions by R.A. Salvatore. We'll read it about about to the halfway point, which is, I think we decided, uh, finishing up with Chapter 16. Okay. Does that include Chapter 16? That includes Chapter 16. Okay. And if you want to join us uh, on that or any other book club discussion, please don't hesitate to contact us. You can send us an email or a voicemail message to include on an episode to thetomeshow at gmail.com. Or you can call us at 919-BIZ-TOME. That's 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E. Or you can let us know you'd like to be a guest. And if there's room, we'll welcome you on. And before we go too far, we should mention our sponsor, Noble Knight. Our pick for the episode uh, this time along is the Engine Publishing page, the whole page that from Engine Publishing. It's the publishing wing of the award-winning blog, Gnome Stew, and, has produced this, and they produced this month's book as well as last month's book, and also Eureka and Masks. Eureka is a book of inspiration, and Masks is uh, NPCs. Right, Eric? You're the expert. Yes. Okay. Uh, mask it. Mask it. There's a bunch of 500 NPCs or no. Mm-hmm. It's not like that. There's a whole bunch of, right. it's, it's a book full of different NPC concepts. Yeah. Yes. And Eureka is like story concepts, right? Yeah. There's basically concept for both, both books is fantasy, modern and science fiction. And they don't yet have uh, this month's pick Odyssey available, uh, probably because it's, it's pretty darn new. Um, but I expect since they have everything else, they'll probably be carrying it shortly. Noble Knight is a long-standing game store specializing in finding out-of-print games while also offering the newest great releases. Including D&D? They got it from any edition. That's right, all of them. 
What if I want a board game? Card game minis or dice? Noble Knight has it all and at a discounted price. In fact, Noble Knight has over 30,000 unique items on stock. And you know you can trust this Better Business Bureau accredited store with a satisfaction guarantee. Yeah, but I've bought too many things over the years. How can I justify spending even more? Good thing we're talking about Noble Knight then. They'll buy your old gaming things and offer you cash or trade. So you'll be able to keep up with all the great gaming stuff you want. Check them out at noblenight.com. Wow, I'll go today. And be sure to tell them the Tome Show sent you. All right, it's time to get into the book. Odyssey, what do we think? I like that. They, it, it, it gives lots of good tools to start a campaign and also lots of tools of what to do to give a proper ending too. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, oddly enough, I was thinking the same thing. It has a whole bunch on starting a campaign, a whole bunch on ending a campaign, and not a whole lot in the middle. Yeah. I mean, there was a chapter or two on running the campaign, right? But it seems like b- uh, m- most attention was given on the beginning and the end of a campaign. Yeah. Well, most of the middle part for purposes of the management of the campaign is mostly the, of how to deal with the problems that you might have, have like the, for purposes of story changes or character that changes, mm-hmm. even the people... Even though if something occurs like computer crash and all your notes are on there or something mm-hmm. like that. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, so there's a lot of stuff in there for that. Um, I almost feel like we've, we've read two parts of a trilogy and I think the part we're missing is um, story creation for, for a game, right? Right. I feel like if, now, now they need to do that book and we'll have you know, the three parts of a set and I know everything I need to know to, to run any random game. That would actually be a good, good third book or extra book to add to this to mm-hmm. help out. So yeah, it's it's, it's funny. My my um, my gut is that this book is probably my favorite of the two, except that we've basically read three advice or what I've been calling gaming self help books in a row. So I'm a little burned out on self help in general. I don't think it's it's the fault of the book. I just think I'm I've been desperately ready for something else now. <laughs> you know, I'm looking yeah. I'm looking forward to getting yeah. back into fiction. I'm glad we took a break uh, and did some other stuff because we'll be doing fiction for a year. But yeah, you know, I think I think this book is probably the bit that that I that I get the most out of. Like self help books, I'm I'm automatically sort of disinclined towards um, because typically it's ninety percent stuff that I don't need to hear and ten percent stuff that that makes me at least think about something. Um, and I felt like, you know, the, I, got, I got the most out of the chunk that was useful to me, or at least that made me think about things the most um, in, in Odyssey, um, was, was a greater portion that, than in some of the other things that, that we've read recently. Um, so I think it's a, it's a good book to pick up. It's a good book to think about. Well, and it seemed like it had a lot more uh, directly applicable examples. Like they weren't quite concrete, but they were far less abstract. Yeah. Although the the previous book, um, Never Unprepared, that we read last month, I felt like had a good. I mean, it, it was you know here's how you set up a template sort of thing, right? Right. Um, but I but I feel like the the advice here was more universally applicable. You know, <laughs> Never Unprepared, I felt like um, was walking you through one person's very specific method of preparing for a game. 
which well, is which is not my method for pre- preparing for a game, but I can f- pick out a few things that, there that I like. Whereas this book, yeah. I feel like, is much more general advice and much more applicable advice uh, across different types of DMs. Well, as it says at the start of the book for the two authors, Phil Vickian, which was the author of Never, Unpre- Never Unprepared, mm-hmm. is a very much a hands-on, prepare everything from the start, post, while Walt is a more of an improv style of just spontaneous creation style. So yeah. he would not he would not be that style would not be work that well for purposes of never unprepared, which is all about preparation. Sure. Although I mean I think there's some value in that as well. I think oh, yeah. I think having the two authors with the two different styles is is a is a boon for the the product. Because you, oh, yes. get, because you get different styles of advice. And I think it would have been a boon for Never Unprepared as well had they have done it that way. Um, because some DMs prep more than others, you know, and it's useful to know sort of the – get both extremes so that, you know, people like me who are more in between can still um, find that balance, you know? Yeah. I, I tend more towards the improv style. So the tips from uh, preparing in advance certainly help of uh, going about mm-hmm. – for making me think, okay, here, what can I, I, I absorb a lot of stuff from that to be able to maybe adapt it for what I want. So what was the best section in, in this book then, in Odyssey? What did we get the most out of? What inspired us the most? I was mostly inspired from starting a campaign. It, it feels more towards the way I like running, which is basically as a cooperative group thing, where you don't have the the game master says says I'm going to run this and everyone jumps in more of interaction with the players. What do we want to what? Where are supposed of one of the styles is talk among the group, decide what the group wants to play as to, to, as part of a campaign and what sort of ideas they can get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I think um, that was my favorite part as well. The, the, I, I as I read through that opening section, uh, I made sure to read very deliberately, which is why I got, you know, I, when I hit the fifty percent mark of the book, I was like, it was like a week ago, and it's like, ah, I'm not going to finish. <laughs> <You> know, so, <laughs> so I had to hurry it up for the second half. Uh, but I was really into that opening half, and it made me really, you know, if if I'm not going to, I may not do things exactly as as he laid out, but it made me think about the way I do things to start a campaign. That you can be a lot more deliberate when you start a campaign, and and a lot more careful when you start a campaign to set it up for success, to sort of create that foundation, you know? And and I feel like that's something that that he looks at as something very important. And maybe if I did that more, the whole, it would make the whole campaign easier to to bring together. And so, you know, as I'm reading through it, I'm starting, Oh yeah, I could start a campaign like this and I could do that one. And I have all these ideas floating through my head. It's like, wait a minute, I'm still in like about the 60% mark in my, in my current campaign. Like I'm a long ways away from starting a new campaign, but I started brainstorming all kinds of crazy ideas and start on, on several new campaigns. I think that's why most of the book covers starting a campaign and finishing a campaign because starting a campaign properly is hard. And I don't think most people do it, do it really well, you know? Whereas I think ending a campaign is is sort of a, a quick thing that happens one time, but it's really hard to to pull off. You know, I've ended a handful of campaigns in my days, and no matter what kind of climax you I build, it never quite feels as awesome as I want it to be. You know what I mean? Right. So I think that's why that gets a lot of attention, just because 
ending a campaign well is hard, and starting a campaign is something that many people are not doing well. Tracy, what was your favorite part? It it wasn't a, a particular part of the book. It was just the diversity of stuff within the topics within it, hmm. um, because because some, sometimes I I feel when I talk to lots of different groups, there are so many people who are used to playing one particular way, and they feel that is the way to play. Mm-hmm. And so it was nice to be able to now show somebody a book that shows, like, these people play many different ways, uh, and the different ways each have, have uh, things that help and hinder. And so uh, so that was my favorite part of it. It was just... it. it it's a, I think it's a nice resource for me to 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 illustrate some of the the things I like to talk about. Yeah, the the authors do cover well the various different styles without really giving one over the other. Really, mm-hmm. um, although I I feel like I but from and from this book and the last book I feel like Phil has a very specific way of doing things and the way he presents it sort of feels like this is the way to do things, you know? Um, and and I, I know in the intro, he's, he's, he's clear, you know, I, I feel like that, that's not necessarily the, the case, but the, the, his voice as he writes yeah. sort of feels like he's telling me how to, how to do things. It's like, well, I'm looking for advice. I'm not looking for, you know, the, this is the step-by-step process of exactly what you must do. Um, it comes off a little bit strong sometimes. Um, but, you know, I'm, I also, I don't know, I like to consider myself an intelligent reader and recognize that I can take and, and take what I want or not want, right? Yeah. Right. So. Well, and at the very least, unless you do it exactly the same way he does, you're going to see that somebody else does it differently. Absolutely. <laughs> and it works out well for them. And then uh, throughout the book, there is a lot of discussion about building that consensus as a group as to what you want and not have it just be the the DM or one or two players and listening to each other and uh, figuring out each other's boundaries and things like that, which are, are things that are important to me. So Yeah, that actually um, that brings up two things. One of the things, uh, the idea about boundaries, mm-hmm. um, something that I picked up from Mike Shea, and I think he picked it up from somewhere else at Gen Con, that he, that he started using there, uh, especially at con games, right, when you're playing with people you may not know, uh, is he puts out an X card. Uh, have, you, have you guys heard of the X card? I don't know where he got the idea from. Yeah. I've, well, I've heard it. I'm, Tracy, did you hear about this too? Yeah, yeah, I, I know about it. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and I don't know where he got it from, and I haven't been, been keeping up too much on the, in the, the blogging world these days, so, I, so it may be all over the place, and I'm just the last person to the show. But I thought that was an interesting concept in terms of boundaries. Um, and, I, and in terms of collaboration, I, I feel like the collaboration that he describes walks a pretty fine line mm-hmm. and works for a certain kind of game. But I don't know that I would want to have that high level of collaboration in all of my games, not the way he's describing, if only because... If, I mean, they're, they're talking about how, oh, yeah, let's do an episodic thing, but let's have a big villain at the end that, that we find out is actually manipulating the whole thing. It's like... Now we just spoiled like the big surprise, <laughs> didn't we? Well, didn't we I all mean, just decide as a group what the big twist is going to be? Like, well, all the, the, go Tracy. I'm sorry, th- that was one of a few different options offered, and I thought they. He, I thought they also said in there that uh, the the DM still or the game master would still go through and make tweaks to it so that the group wouldn't know what the surprise is. No, no, they they absolutely did, but but yeah, you know, I don't know. It just feels like a little bit of. 
Like sometimes I want to keep things as a DM. I want to keep some of the things a little bit closer to the chest. Like give, give me. I want to collaborate in terms of setting building. I want to collaborate in terms of background building. I want to collaborate in terms of of uh, genre and style of game. Um, but I think I want a little less collaboration on ex- the exact, you know, the 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 broad points of the actual story. You know, but the, but but I mean, I think the value here is is that it got me thinking about that specifically. Right. You know, with, with or without it, I, I hadn't. That's not a concept I'd been consciously thinking of prior to reading the book, and it got me thinking. Okay, well, which parts would I want to collaborate on, and which parts would I want to do on my own? But also, the revelation of a twist on those. It also depends on what type of game. If you are playing a mystery game, well, the player and everyone agrees that it's a mystery game. Of course, nobody will suggest what is the solution in the mystery. Sure. They will want that secret. But if the p- purpose is not the mystery and they want, they want, they want, they want something. Mm-hmm. Else, they might just re- reveal it because that's not the exploration that the, that the group wants to do. Yeah. That said, um, unintentionally, this book did get me really interested in trying to put together a more episodic TV style game. I know Phil Menard had talked about that for years um, on his site, uh, Chatty DM, um, and 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 it it always had a, a little bit of appealed to me before but for some reason reading reading about just the examples in here of how they put things together it's like oh yeah i could totally now you know grok on how uh, uh, an episodic style campaign would be really cool yeah well I, i've been i've done it for the past four years during the summer at the local university where i've been running a superhero campaign mm-hmm. and basically i've ha- i was styling myself over shows like doctor who and all that where they have an ongoing story arc that is going within that season or that year but each episode is individually based and there's just some links to it but Mm -hmm. each element so players since it's during the summer people go on vacation all that it permits people can go do that adventure at the end they're done so they don't need to be there next and they can catch up easily so it works really well cool other thoughts Inspirations, oh. things to consider, yeah. things we wonder about that we should ask the author because we're coming up to him next. Oh. Nothing. Yeah, I, I like the ending. Mm-hmm. I like how they were talking about us. It's rare that you get to you actually get to end a to to actually end a campaign. Mm-hmm. Most campaigns, and you probably most people have experienced, they. And then through one of the means which they said where basically the campaign just fades away. Mm-hmm. People stop meeting up with each other and all that because most campaigns that folks, folks think, think, when they think of campaigns, they think of the long-term campaigns. But here they talk about those and seeing if you're starting to feel that you're not liking this game or there's a new shiny thing that's coming out, mm-hmm. like D&D Nice is coming out and you're playing currently 4th edition how do if the group wants to go towards for D&D next how to do either an ending or or alternate they 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 covered it well yeah you talked talk about several different options about how to sort of wrap those things up it's like oh well you know if you have the time to figure out that it's ending you got a couple more sessions left of this game 
then figure out, you know, some advice on how to wrap it up quickly and just, and, you know, still, still give it a conclusion. If it's not the big conclusion you originally planned for the campaign, that's fine, but give it some sort of, you know, finale. So you don't, so you don't end up with, you know, one of those TV shows that you watched for, for two seasons and then got, got canceled and they didn't know it. And so the finale of the last season doesn't actually wrap things up. Yeah. Uh, Dark Angel. (laughs) (laughs) And and I did also like the uh, introduction to each chapter had the hypothetical scenario that went Mm. wrong and then much of the chapter was spent uh, discussing it and then providing examples of how to improve it. Mm -hmm. Now the book uh, in many ways is very meta in its own construction as well. I mean they indicate exactly which author wrote each chapter Um. And I think the the authors use the, like those examples differently in in their chapters a little bit. Yeah. Um, they each have their own introduction and their own conclusions. Um, and I'm wondering, does it benefit from that, or would it have been better to have them both work on on all the chapters together, you know, uh, and have a balance of of or a mix of different styles within each chapter? What do you guys think? Well, I noticed that most of the starting chapters is was done by Phil, mm-hmm. and most of the ending chapters those were done by Walt. So I would have been curious to see Walt's view on starting campaigns, mm-hmm. but I didn't really see much chapters by him, if any. In, in the early days, yeah. Yes. No, so I, I might, and, it and, might have been... And that's where, that's where my question comes from, right? Is that... You know, sometimes I want I want to see. You know, I understand Phil's style, right. and I understand Walt's style, and I know my style is somewhere like in the middle. I think I'm about halfway in between the two of them. So I think I would benefit from getting both opinions on different segments of the campaign of a campaign management too. Unless they felt that they weren't good at good enough at those parts to be the voice for them. I don't know. It just I just think back to the never unprepared part where he talks about I don't know <laughs> no uh, acknowledging that there are certain things you're you're better at than others although in never unprepared you you prepare the ones that uh, you're you're not as good at because you won't be able to wing it because I could see somebody who is more uh, uh, who likes to prepare a lot uh, the the start of the campaign being and that preparation for the start of the campaign being the big thing. Where if you're an improv, more improv- improvisational mm-hmm. DM, uh, really being able to intertwine those stories and, and getting a great ending might be more your thing. I don't know. And it's interesting because I actually have one of my players in my game who emailed me like last week and said, hey, I've got a bunch of friends. They want me to start a, start a campaign. Do you have any advice on, on prepping, for, <laughs> prepping for a game and, and getting a campaign going? It's like... Yeah, I got two books I just read, (laughs) (laughs) but I got to boil it that in like, you know, what, six, seven years of giving advice on on these things uh, that I've been recording stuff. You know, I've probably got a hundred hours of of advice uh, on the feed, Uh, you know, but I'll boil it down to uh, five long paragraphs in an email, you know, (laughs) so. Yeah, uh, when Fred was at a convention this weekend, he uh, somebody was trying to talk him into being a DM, and they suggested the Never Unprepared book too. Oh yeah, to him, yeah. Right on. It wasn't Phil, was it? Because I know you, no. you said you met Phil up at the con, right? Yeah, Phil was there, <laughs> but this is somebody else. Oh, okay, <laughs> excellent. All right. Well, speaking of Phil, I'm getting messages from him on my phone that he is ready for ready to go. So uh, 
Let's move along to that interview. Jeff, take it away. All right. Thank you, Jeff. We are now here with Phil Vecchione, author of Never Unprepared and co-author of Odyssey. Welcome to the show, sir. Why, thank you. Hello, everyone. Uh, start us off with telling us Never Unprepared, Odyssey. What are these books? So Never Unprepared, um, which is the complete Game Master's Guide to Session Prep, uh, is all about the process of creating your sessions from basically the time your uh, your last session ended to the time that you're ready to run for your next session. And Odyssey, uh, which is the Complete Game Master's Guide to Campaign Management, uh, encompasses all of the activities that a GM undertakes to keep their campaign uh, growing, healthy, uh, and advancing forward in that downtime between sessions. Very good. Cool. Uh, That's a real short answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in uh, particularly in Never Unprepared, but even in uh, Odyssey, you talk about creating templates for some of this stuff. Have uh, is there anywhere you have a PDF cheat sheet or sample templates for this? You know, I get asked that from time to time. I will, um, I can, I can point you guys in the direction of some. I think I have a couple that I've posted up um, in Google Docs, like on public links. Mm-hmm. So I can, I can, I can make sure that after uh, after we finish talking, I can get you those links. But yeah, from time to time, people ask me if they can see some of the templates uh, that I've used. But but I will say this: while um, while example templates, I think are are nice. I, the real trick to uh, using the templates. So in Never Unprepared, the the templates used to kind of help you craft your sessions by kind of reminding you and guiding you through what are the important parts that you need to cover when you're writing each scene. Um, ultimately, what you put into the template should be uh, what's most important for uh, not only the game you're running, but for the way that you like to run. And, and so like one example... Uh, is and I always use this. It's kind of a silly example, but it, it kind of drives home the point. Is that one of those um, GM blind spots I have is accounting for weather. So if, if if I don't prompt myself to be imaginative about weather, my campaign worlds are like a are like San Diego. They're like perpetually seventy two degrees <laughs> sunny at all times. Yeah, I have that. And, I, I I play in that climate too. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know it's it's where my brain goes by default, and and so. To make to make the world and the scenes seem more real, and, and at times to add a little element of weather to a particular scene, in in my template I often have a spot for weather, so that when I'm writing up a scene, I'm forced to think about well, what is the weather? And and usually my cheat, and I don't think I put this in the in the book, but my cheat is that I normally associate my campaign settings, so particular geographies in my campaign settings with particular areas of the world, and, and then I just go on to Google and look at the weather, the current weather for wherever that, that location is, and, and then that's the weather for you know that, that particular area. Right on. Now, you have a very, like you and Walt, Walt who worked with you on Odyssey, have very different styles, right? You're very much the, uh, 
by the book, prepare everything sort of sort of uh, DM, and Walt is more of an off the cuff sort of DM. Is that a, yes, is that a fair uh, fair assessment? It's pretty fair. Yeah, I'm in that relationship. I'm definitely the Felix, and he's definitely Oscar. So. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, I also sort of felt like there was a little bit of that in your in your advice giving and writing style as well. Now, is that intentional? Because, like, for example, your advice seemed a little bit more of this is how you do things step by step. You know, and this and and how you should accomplish this, this task. Um, and then when Walt would write, it would be a little more of, well, you know, these kinds of things might come up, and here's some things to think about, and this kind of thing might come up, and here's some things to think about. You know, is that just a natural inclination of you two being, you know, different styles of writers and different personalities, or was that intentional? So it, it, it's a little bit of both. So by nature, um, you know, outside of well, in the real world, I am a project manager, and so. A lot of things I do um, are kind of structured or kind of broken down into, you know, completable tasks and things like that. So I naturally just think uh, – I, I naturally think that way. And when I look at a problem, that's how I always attack a, a particular problem is to break it down into its uh, components and then, you know, work on each individual component. Walt, on the other hand, is, you know, probably much more of an ad lib GM. Um, the kind of guy who will, you know, work a little at an idea for a session um, and then just kind of, you know, roll in there with some loose notes and just kind of let see where it goes. And, and so what we did in Odyssey, which was very deliberate, was I wrote the chapters of Odyssey where being a little more structured was going to be more important. And so I, I, I wrote the... Uh, chapters on starting a campaign. And, and I think that, much like starting any project, it's worth spending a little extra time and being a little more deliberate when you're setting up your campaign so that you're setting those expectations with your group, everybody's on the same page, and then everybody's kind of ready to go into the game. Walt addresses the actual running of the campaign, which, you know, in truth, the running of a campaign is a much messier uh, endeavor sure. and it really is the kind of thing that you really can't overstructure that you have to be uh, flexible and accommodating and so it was you know it was a good fit for Walt to uh, to tackle those because you know what he brought was that more organic approach of well you know start with a good idea plan it out a little but you know don't be afraid to you know m manipulate it and move it along as it naturally occurs through the course of the story. Right on. Yeah. Tracy? I'm just trying to think, sorry. <laughs> no, because I like, I like that. Cause, well, because uh, during our uh, discussion, uh, Jeff was talking a little bit about how he felt like he was between the two of you. And I, I think one way of looking at it is like, maybe there are parts of the campaign where you want to be more like one side and other parts where you want to be more like another instead of trying to do an evened out approach across the entire campaign, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I absolutely think that's a that's a good way to go. And I mean, even it, truthfully, and I, you know, it's funny because people always ask me like, "Oh, you must be like, you know, when it comes to prepping your games, you must be like so rigid at prepping your games." But the the truth is, I'm actually not. Um, I'm actually not as rigid, and and over like probably the past year. I've become like even less so as I've kind of drifted from um, some more traditional style games into things like uh, Fate 
uh, where you know where you don't have as much um, where you don't prep as much because the you're going to drive the game through things like aspects and things like that. But I wind up um, still using all the techniques in Never Unprepared. All I've changed is what I actually write into my session notes. So I still use that kind of structured approach for how to brainstorm ideas, how to conceptualize them, document them, and things like that. The only thing that's kind of changed is that style's changed has been what the actual content that goes into my session notes before I hit the table. Right on. So what, what is the goal? Like what, what, what should people, in, in, any given person reading these books, what should they get out of it? Should they get a step-by-step guide of exactly what they should do? Uh, or is it something different from that? So I, it is a little different. And, and people who, uh, there's usually a group of people who will come up, who've come up to me, um, with regards to Never Unprepared and Odyssey. And we'll say that, you know, I was expecting, you know, the, the full blueprint for creating sessions or the full blueprint for, for running a campaign. And, and what you get really in both books is you get an approach, kind of a mindset um, and a discussion of the things that are important, why they're important, um, and what happens when they're done well or done poorly. And the reason for that is, is that, I, there's no way to uh, there's no way to tell everyone this is how you prepare your session notes because every game is going to be different every game system every GM every group it's going to be completely different and so what both Never Unprepared and Odyssey do is they bring up concepts and they break they basically break it down and name the various actions that occur when you're either preparing your session notes or you're managing your campaign. And then from there, the GM has to take that and internalize it and say, okay, well, I'm really good at brainstorming, so I don't really have to change anything about that. But I don't do a very good job of selecting ideas. I just, you know, I take whatever I brainstorm and run with it, and it's it's hit and miss whether or not the session's going to come off well. So that's where I should focus my energy is on selection so that I pick better ideas after I brainstorm them. Mm. And so ultimately what you're doing is you're building you're building up your own you're building up a method that's based on your personal style. Yeah, very good. Yeah, and and that was uh largely my experience as well is that like and I find this with anything of uh, in the genre of what I would call a self-help book, which is basically what these are, self-help books for for gamers, right? Absolutely. Uh, and and I my I sort of take the approach with with any given self-help book that 90% of it I probably won't pay attention to, but I'm reading it for the 10% that makes me think, you know? Uh, and 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 for as I'm reading Never Unprepared, I'm reading through it and I'm like, well, I've been DMing since I was eight. You know, it's been a, it's been a while. Most of this I don't need advice on. However, it made me stop and critically think about why I do some of the things I do do, uh, and and revise the way I you know try try some new things. You know, exactly. Right. So if you're an ex- if you're an experienced GM, that is absolutely the um, experience you're going to have with both books. Is that if you're if you've been successfully running games, and I've been. I think DMing about as um, as long as you have. Sure. If you've been doing it since you know, um, you know most of your life, then yes, you've probably touched on on all of these in in some manner. And so the book is basically going to help to raise up those those little things, the nuanced things that you can work on. And if you're a less experienced GM, 
then both of these books are are basically the lessons learned from you know numerous uh, dead campaigns, mm-hmm. several several successful ones, but you know a certainly a graveyard uh, of <laughs> campaigns that that you know lay underneath this book, um, with the intent that you know hopefully if you take some of this advice to heart, I will you know we will save you from learning the hard way on, on you know a number of these issues. Right on. Yeah. See, I don't know that, for example, I don't know that I follow all of your steps for session prep, but having read through your steps for session prep, I did create myself a template to help me, you know, integrate some new story elements into the game. And I do now have a brainstorming book that I add to every, you know, every now and then. So, so it has, it has adjusted the way I do things, even, even though I've been DMing for 25 years. Right. And that's awesome. That's so basically for what it's doing for you is filling in a couple Mm -hmm. of, you know, areas where you thought, Hey, I, you know, I I could actually, you know, st- I could actually improve in this one area, and I'm okay in these other areas. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So there's one thing I wanted to to bring up that isn't quite related to this, but it's the artwork because we kind of talked about this on G Plus a little bit, and then also at uh, Queen City Conquest this weekend, and I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about it because I know it's something that you're interested in too, Phil. Sure. Absolutely. So. Um, in terms of the artwork, this is uh, a thing that, um, first of all, I have to give uh, direct credit to our art director, John Arcadian, who is um, absolutely awesome. And John has been the art director um, on all four of Engine's uh, books. But specifically with Never Unprepared and Odyssey, I can't even say specifically because that's it's actually true with masks as well. Um, we really set out to kind of avoid a lot of those um, industry cliches in terms of art. So you're not going to find, um, you know, I, first of all, you're not going to find the chainmail, the chainmail bikini girl on you know, on the cover of either book. Um, you, you know, we we shot for um, far more realistic looking women, and actually, both Never Unprepared and Odyssey uh, have a uh, female uh, lead on the cover. Um, and then, in terms of the artwork. Um, the entire process was um, was actually pretty wild because for Never Unprepared, I, I gave John the most um, basic of ideas in terms of what, what should go into it. And that was simply to just say that I, because the book was about uh, preparation, that that's what the um, connecting theme should be with all of the all of the art. And so, you know, John, um, you know, John worked with. Um, Matt Morrow and Christopher Reach on um, on Never Unprepared to do just that. And if you look carefully um, as you go through the book, each of the pictures, while they're not directly connected or tell a story, each of them is doing something in preparation for some activity. Mm-hmm. And then we did almost the exact same thing in Odyssey where in Odyssey, and it was a little more deliberate um, in terms of Odyssey, in Odyssey, it's a um, it's basically – the artwork follows the um, idea of a campaign arc. Mm-hmm. A- and we do have a section in the back of Odyssey um, that actually talks about the uh, the different arcs that were uh, done. There's a sci-fi and a fantasy arc, as well as uh, the gamer group, who is the fictional gamer group um, that, you, that you hear about at the beginning of each of the chapters in Odyssey. It's interesting, actually. I, I enjoyed the the little vignettes into their, into their uh, gamer group a lot. Um, and it, in, I mentioned this in the, our discussion before uh, it, it's inspired me to consider 
doing an episodic style campaign like they were doing because as something that I've never really done before. So I, I found yeah, some inspiration in that. That was, um, I have to give Walt all the credit. Walt, um, as we were putting the book together, had mentioned that we should do um, this fictional gaming group. And at first I was like, hmm, I don't know. I'm like, it sounds good. I'm like, let's try it. I'm, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And after I wrote the first one, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, this was <laughs> the exact right thing to do for. And for Walt, Walt even used it heavily in his chapters. Like He would reference the what happened in the, in the vignettes and what worked and what didn't work for him and, and how to fix it. Yep, absolutely. So it worked well. Uh, so what's coming up next, if there's anything you can talk about? So I'll, I'll talk about it in just rough terms because uh, Engine has a tradition of not talking about um, upcoming books until we're through the first draft, just because we don't like to jinx ourselves. Sure. Um, but there is, um, there is definitely talk um, about um, another um, – there's definitely talk about another book that could fit into that um, complete game master's guide kind of feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're talking about a few things now and we're kind of um, pushing some things around and we met up at Gen Con, a couple of us and uh, had a, uh, had a discussion about it. So I, you know, I'm, I'm fully planning that we'll be writing something come, uh, come winter time, which is our kind of our normal um, kind of our normal life cycle for a book. Cool. And I have one last question. Sure. What's, what, what magic spells or potions do you use to stay awake so much? <laughs> yeah, looking at your schedule from Never Unprepared. You, don't, yeah, sli- you don't sleep much. I don't sleep very much. I would say on average if I get between five and a half and six hours of sleep a night, that's <laughs> probably a big deal. I, the, the, the magic cocktail um, – Let's see. There are actually a couple. There are a couple things that have now stacked upon each other that have given me this this ability. So the first one was sleep apnea. So I had for many many years undiagnosed sleep apnea. So I, I built up a resistance to um, not needing a lot of sleep. And then I had kids. Uh-huh. So then I had no chance to actually get any more sleep. <laughs> Um, since my kids, um, wake up six o'clock in the morning, seven days a week, 365 days a year. I understand that. Uh, and then, and then finally, and I make a hint to this in, uh, the beginning of never unprepared is, um, I have a Keurig and I do, uh, dose myself fairly regularly with coffee while I'm writing. So that's uh, pretty much a ritual that anytime I sit down to write, I have a, cup of iced coffee in the warmer months and a regular <laughs> cup of coffee in the cooler months. Yeah, because as I'm, as I'm um, looking at all the things that you suggest and never unprepared to, to prepare for a game, it's like, I don't have those hours in the day that you have because <laughs> you're awake for three more hours a day than I am. You know? yeah. <laughs> that adds up to a lot more hours of prep time that you have. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's, in fact, I mean, even even, you know, partially joking that that's actually what the the last section, the prep light yeah, yeah. Um, section is all about is how do you, you know, how do you start to cut that stuff down? And how do you, you know, how do you thin it out? And what, you know, basically, how do you cut off the corners? Yeah, of pri- your prep? Pri- prioritize some other uh, some other parts of life, too. Yeah. <laughs> <At times. laughs> Very good. All right, Phil. Well, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. And we look forward to uh, seeing what you guys put out. What next year, maybe? 
I would uh, I would sometime in the spring of 2014 start watching G Plus for some hits. All right, thank awesome. you much. Thanks. Uh, all right, well that was awesome, and we want to say thank you to all of you guys for listening, as well as our sponsor, Noble Knight Games. Uh, Phil Vecchione, which we still haven't actually recorded the interview at this point, so I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, as well as our reigning champion, Eric M. Paquette, which who people can find on Twitter at Eric M. Pack, yes? Yes. P-A-Q. P-A-Q, We also want to thank our listeners. Thank you for using the affiliate links uh, at Amazon and for P- uh, D&D PDFs at dndclassics.com. Uh, and for listening to the show, uh, we really enjoy talking to you guys. So, And speaking of talking to you, if you'd like to contact us, you can send us an email at thetomeshow at gmail.com or give us a call on our biz line at 919-BIZ-TOME. That's 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E. And you can find show notes at thetomeshow.com. And that's our thoughts on Odyssey. Join us next month for the first half of the first Sundering book. The Companions by R.A. Salvatore up to the end of chapter 16. I'm on the wall.